we're very honoured that uh, on the line right now we've got Michelle Sparks, who's a physiotherapist and counsellor, over 25 years experience in rehabilitation, health, education and wellness. She's a member of the Australian Counselling Association. Uh, she's overcome an anorexia and other disordered eating behaviours in her teen and early adult years and she specialises mm-hmm. in helping women find freedom from these health and life-consuming problems. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Hamish. How are you? What an introduction. Oh, well, what a blog. I tell you, you were an, it's nice to be talking to a celebrity. Is that, that's me talking that, to you for no, sure. No, 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 <laughs> we're talking to you, my dear. Look, thanks so much for your time and congratulations on your book. Thank you. Uh, Illuminating Anorexia. Thank you. Which has received mm. professional and critical acclaim, it says, which is tremendous. So yes. I guess the first thing that I want to ask is what exactly is anorexia and what's the difference between anorexia and bulimia? Look, they are great questions, Hamish. Um, Anorexia is basically self-starvation. So it's a progressive reduction in caloric intake Mm -hmm. and a progressive increase in exercise output such that a person has a marked loss of weight. And someone with anorexia will actually be at least 15% less than the weight expected for their age and height. So that's wow. the first thing. And and I think this is where it can get confusing because there are two subtypes with anorexia. There's a restricting subtype, which is where it typically starts, just with restrictions. Mm. But there's a second subtype, which is a binge-purge subtype. And so, you know, it's, not un- it's quite understandable that the body just isn't designed to starve. And at some point, someone who has been starving their body, mm. they will find that they start to lose control and they start to binge. Yep. For someone with anorexia, that binge can be quite a small amount, but they are going to be very scared when that happens, and they will purge to get rid of the calories that they've ingested. Um, so that's with anorexia. Now, bulimia is... Uh, someone with bulimia will engage in recurrent episodes of binge eating. That's abnormally large amounts of food in a short period of time, and they will follow that binge with um, inappropriate compensatory behaviours such as self-induced vomiting, yep. the use of diuretics or laxatives or enemas, and possibly also excessive exercise or fasting. Now, there's also two subtypes with bulimia, and I think where people can sometimes get confused is that when there's someone with anorexia and they have that binge purge type, they can confuse that with bulimia because binging and purging is very um, associated with bulimia. But the difference, if you can think, this is a good shorthand way to think of it, Mm -hmm. someone with anorexia will by definition be at least 15% less than the expected weight for their age and height. But some of the behaviours may seem quite similar. Yep. Okay? So, yeah. I think I understand it now. So, in my layman's terms, anorexia, basically you're starving yourself. Yes. Whereas, believe me, you're overeating. Uh, so you're eating more than what you really should be. And then you're looking to get rid of those calories as quickly as you can. Yes, although those that, that behaviour can occur in anorexia as well. I think the, uh, an even easier way to sort of think about it is someone with anorexia mm. is typically in control. And someone with bulimia typically feels out of control. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because it takes a lot of control if you have anorexia to just restrict yourself mm. so much. When you, they must, are they actually hungry? Are they denying that? That I don't know. Like, are they actually hungry, or are they? Yeah. No, that's a fantastic question, and you, you know, that's a great question. Yes, they are hungry, mm. and yes, they are denying, suppressing. 
um, unable to give in to their hunger, scared of their hunger. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and you, yeah, it's a good question, and it's mm. it's a good thing to think. Okay, why would someone start to get scared of what is mm. such a natural? Mm. Well, Michelle, let's talk about yourself because you've obviously you've gone through this experience yourself personally. Yes. Uh, so tell us about, I mean, and I guess some of the misconceptions is that you know it's can be it's a teenage girl disorder. Yes. Um, but was is that was that the actual experience for you? How did it start for you? Well, yes, I was a typical teenage girl. I was an adolescent, <laughs> but um, you're right; it can actually affect boys, girls. It can affect people across the age spectrum, across the life spectrum. Um, but 90% of an, um, cases of anorexia and bulimia would be in the female population. <laughs> Typically, anorexia does develop in adolescent years, and certainly that was the case for me. So I, I started on the path to anorexia in year seven, <laughs> um, at the age of about 12. Wow. Yeah. That's young, isn't it? It is. And yet, to be honest, Emma, these um, issues are presenting, unfortunately, in younger and younger people, mm. and boys and girls, with anorexia, particularly in children, you can have as many as 25% being boys that are actually experiencing anorexia. So, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, yes. Now, some of the, the subjects on your book that you touch on are things like adolescence, peers and popularity, which... Mm. As you've just mentioned, I suppose you look at, I guess, the media and what the presentation is of, of what is meant to look good. Is that what affected you? How, how did you How did you see it? That's another great question, Hamish. And um, I, I think one of the reasons I probably have written the book I've written, there's a number of reasons, but one of them is to probably dispel that um, um, misconception that it is a body image problem, that it's just caused by the media. I mean, I think that's really such a simplification. To be honest, these, these issues are complex. Mm. They're multifactorial. Um, there's individual factors. You know, there's genetic personality. Mm. There's just a person's unique experience of growing up and experiencing life. With anorexia, is it? do you think it's seen as, as a coping mechanism for some people? Look, it absolutely does become a coping mechanism. I think it, it just starts out quite innocently often as a way to feel better about oneself, more acceptable and in control. But as that food and weight solution, which is part of the solution to feeling better about oneself, as that spirals out of control, mm. it, it definitely does become a coping mechanism, yes. Mm. Mm. So in fact, that's a really simple way of thinking of it. It is a way of co It's like a shorthand for coping with painful self-experience and challenging life circumstances. It's, it's a good way to think of it. Awesome. So how did um, how, how old were you when you were diagnosed with an eating disorder? Did you, were you in a state of denial or was it a case of, I haven't got a problem? How did you deal with that? Good question. That's some questions, Hamish. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know how you know about this, don't you? You must. You must know about this re- issue. It's my researcher. That's Okay. Yeah. Well, they're very good. Listen, yeah. I was I was actually um, in the end, I was 15 when I was actually diagnosed. I'd been on the downward um, slide for about three years, and um, I trying to think what the question was did i know what was the question sorry yeah that's right when when you were diagnosed uh, how did you feel when they said okay michelle you have anorexia Um, do you know what oh to be honest it was it was a relief i mean um hamish it was back in 1978 so that um the dim dark ages of these issues i'd never heard of it before my parents had never heard of it before there were no eating disorder clinics etc etc but 
to be diagnosed with a problem was incredibly a relief for me because at that stage you know I could see that my parents were really struggling I did not want to be a burden on my parents in fact I was trying to pull up from under the the guilt I felt about being a burden on my parents so I I didn't want to add a problem to their load and um, I was really you know we'd, we'd probably spent a year before that speaking about what I was doing and what I should do and I knew very clearly what I should do I should eat more I should stop exercising every waking moment of the day Mm. you know what I just couldn't do it and that's the reality of what happens as you get down the you know really Mm. down the scales on this problem you lose your ability to control and um, you so it was a relief because it felt like oh thank god someone may be able to help me get Mm. off the treadmill because I was being um again that lack of understanding i was probably being blamed for not trying harder but i did everything in my power to uh yeah yeah so what does food did food actually become like abhorrent to you you didn't couldn't look at it or you couldn't taste it no 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 i i never lost my love for food or my desire for food what happens with anorexia really is a suppression of desire it's it, it you know you're you're feeling not okay about yourself and and your wants and your needs that's really like shorthand of what's happening so you you kind of suppressing your desire your wants your needs and that that is played out in the food area so no i never lost my hunger for food i just like i became progressively more fearful of food and of losing control because as you progressively starve the body, guess what? It, the body, the mind, the emotions, they fight back. Yeah. You are going to lose control. And if your whole sense of worth and value is based on your ability to control mm-hmm. and you start to lose control, you become very fearful. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you tighten up the restrictions, you tighten up the control. It's like a, you know, a, a dog chasing its tail or yeah. going down the rabbit warren. You just, you really lose your way. It's just amazing. Just getting my head around it. When, help me understand a little bit. When you look in the mirror and you're seeing yourself that 15% under your body weight of what you should be, what are you actually seeing? Are you actually seeing someone that is that that thin, or are you seeing? Is your mind playing tricks on you and seeing something else? Again, a really good question. Look, for a lot of people, there is um, a distortion Mm. of themselves. They do see themselves as um, fat. But fat is almost like a shorthand for not for feeling bad. You know, like I feel fat. You could translate that. I feel bad. I feel guilty. I feel it. It's really interesting. In fact, when I was an outpatient before I was actually an inpatient, um, the person I was working with, she was a social worker. She got me to draw a picture of myself mm. and how I wanted to be. And you know, I didn't have a really, I didn't have a strong distortion of body image. I could see that I was too thin. I, in fact. Yeah, it was quite, didn't want to be thin. That was not the goal. It was to feel safe. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, another issue, Michelle, that you tackle in your book is the perfection lie. What Mm. is that? The perfection lie, L-I-E. What what exactly is the perfection lie? Okay, well, again, that's a lie that develops over time. I think it starts with, again, that sense of not good enough, not quite okay. But in the end, it's, it becomes your ability or my ability to exercise perfect control was a way to legitimize my value and to keep my world safe. So if if you feel like you're not good enough and you try to be, if you think that if you be 
better, mm. you'll feel more acceptable. Mm. You know, there's no ceiling on how good you can be. And as you go down that rabbit warren and perfection mm. becomes your, your yardstick, perfection is completely impossible. Mm. So, you know, it, you, it's a really nasty uh, place. But I, I really do believe that with an eating disorder, and anorexia in particular, the numbers and the control, it's really about trying to legitimise value and about trying to keep our world safe and mm. secure. Unfortunately, our solution yep. takes us exactly to the opposite end. You know, we, yeah. it, you yeah, know, takes us further away from those things. Yeah, interesting point. I like that. Now, as far as this is where you, where you were and the direction you were taking, how did you then start to move towards wholeness and uh, I mean, obviously, you would have had people around you, whether it be family or friends, saying, you know, you do need to eat more, you need to put on weight, you're fine. Mm. And obviously, a lot of support and encouragement going on. And I imagine it would be harder for you to hear that. But then what helped you decide, I need to get whole? Oh, Hamish, look, do you know what? Honestly, the reason I think I've written the book I've written, um, and as I said, it was in the dim, dark ages, what I went through was so awful. I uh, would hate to see anyone else go through that journey. And part of that was about, you know, just the darkness of the time through which I travelled and the lack of understanding and awareness, I think, in many regards. Mm. I am so grateful for the help that I got in hospital. Um, I was there for nine weeks. It was an um, it was an adolescent uh, unit of a mm. ma major Sydney hospital. But there was no other anorectics in hospital. I wasn't... It looks a long story and I won't... You know, that's why I've written a book. It's yeah, too it's much good. to talk Get about in an interview. <laughs> but but what I'm saying... No, no, I'm not just... I'm not trying to... I'm not no, saying it for that know, purpose. No. But, but what I am saying is it's, you know, for a per the first step towards... Look, my, my journey was horrible, okay? It really was. I went from being really low-weight anorectic to really high-weight until I found a way back to a normal weight. And there's a whole story behind that that journey mm. which we won't go into right now but what i will say is that for a person to take the first step towards recovery and towards wholeness they've really got to see or to recognize and accept that they do in fact have an eating disorder they do have a problem and i think what enables or makes it possible for a person to come out of the dark to come out of the shame to come out of that place of bondage which really is a defense they've got to have a a, a some, a safe environment, a place of care, a place of understanding because you know when you're grappling with that issue mm. you are not feeling good about yourself so if you've got someone from outside going oh look just eat more and mm. it's kind of a judgmental or a punitive approach mm. you cannot, you, you, you're not safe enough to actually let go of the control start to explore the pain and the conflict that's going on inside and start to take the road towards getting better mm. so again the reason i've written what i've written is to actually try and pull the layers back on all the multi-layered interplay of factors and what happens inside so that people both the person who's suffering and also the people around them mm. can start to understand what may be going on in their own situation because i believe that generates um compassion and i think mm. the person who's locked in the struggle needs some compassion in order to Absolutely. even start to go oh okay look you know i can That's see good. that that this way of dealing with the pain of life is not going to work mm -hmm. okay but, but they need a supportive understanding environment to come clean not not and i don't mean to come clean i mean to sort of come yeah, out of that, that place that place mm -hmm. 
where they're trying to protect themselves, mm. you know? That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's good, Michelle. Very good. If, uh, if Let's say there's someone listening this afternoon, this evening, uh, who may be suffering an eating disorder or even somebody who has a family member that mm. is uh, suffering mm. one, what would your advice be to them? What well, look, I would, I would say become aware. Look, I think for someone who's a carer, look, do some reading. Um, there's some great websites available. I think, honestly, I do think the book I've written, that the original book is very good for someone who's in that position. Mm-hmm. I actually also wrote a number free edition of the, the original, and that's much more suitable for someone who's actually grappling with the issue. Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, the, so anyway, you could read that. Um, can I just say too, look, I'm, I'm not trying to self-promote here, but... but no, I'm going to promote you, don't I, worry. Uh, you don't have to do that. That's our job. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is just so that, you know, look, I've really... Because I think when you come through this issue, your heart is such that... And a lot of people who've come through this issue do want to help others because yeah, it's course. such a horrific experience. Yeah. Um, so you want to see people get the help they they need the butterfly foundation has a 1-800 number lots of information on the nedc which is the national eating disorder collaboration their website's very good as well Mm. there's um, some support lines there's a lot of material that people can read Mm. Um, the stuff that i've written there's uh you can download the first four chapters for free just to have read and see is this something that's going to work like you know is Mm. it something that is right for you at this time um and i think you know, become aware and then reach out for help. And um, I do know that in your area, there's a great um, service. It's called the Central Coast Central Coast Eating Disorders. It's the Wyong Central Community Health Centre. Um, they have some free, um, really good support um, for people who are struggling with eating disorders and I believe also for their carers. So so reach out, That's definitely. Great. Don't don't struggle alone. Um it's a really difficult problem for the people that are caring for a person with an eating disorder as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, just to, to mention, obviously, your uh, website, womenworththeirweight.com. Uh, it's a mouthful, isn't it? It is a mouthful, <laughs> www, and then you get to the next www, uh, womenworththeirweight.com. But as you said, there's actually uh, a couple of extracts of your book that, mm. uh, that they can download. And, and I reckon... It- Simpler just to go to eliminatinganorexia.com. It was, that's just probably the easier well, one. do that as well. Uh, or roads lead to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, eliminating anorexia. But you've also got your own blog there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I would love if, if people want to, you know, dialogue and with each other, but also, look, I'll respond as time permits. They're welcome to do that as well. Yes. Fantastic. Michelle, it has been such a delight talking to you, and thank you so much for your time. It's an issue, obviously, which affects a lot of people, um, Mm. probably much more than we think, Mm. uh, or even the people suffering that we wouldn't even be aware of. So, uh, again, if people want to get in contact, uh, womenworththeirweight.com or illuminatinganorexia.com, uh, you can blog with Michelle. You can find out some resources there, also services. It'd be great for you to come up to the Central Coast and do some seminars and things. Let's try and organise. I'd that, love Michelle. to. Wouldn't that be mm. great? Let's, let's do it. Let's organise <laughs> it. Look out. We'll do look after for you. That's great. Uh, now, you've it's also, been great talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. All the very best, and God bless you with all the great work you've done. And congratulations thank you. on the thank book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the um, long Queen's week. Long Weekend. Yes. Yeah. You too. Okay. Care, Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you too. Bye now.
Okay, so that was an interview that just covers a lot of basic understanding about eating disorders and differences and how someone feels in that space. Uh, best email to get me now or website is michellesparks.com. And uh, I was going to cut that into two uh, episodes, but really it, it's better as one episode. So until next time, travel well. And don't forget, subscribe, rate and review this podcast so other people that would be benefited by the podcast can find it. Thanks so much and travel well.